0: everybody. This is Daniel.
1: Oh, and this is Daniel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And this is Karla. We are Hoosier Homicide. A true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Uh, Boris, (laughs) look, he's got the one around his leg and the one around his forehead. (laughs) 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 Scarface, he really really is licking my feet. (laughs) He likes them.
1: Not paying attention.
0: Yeah, well, we already know last time it was a pizza guy. Pizza guy. Do what? That hit that lady.
1: Yeah. Uh, Was it a pizza
0: guy? I think so. Huh. He's a dumb kid. Kids are dumb.
1: And I'd have to go out there, pull someone out of their car, and I would murder them in the street in front of all those children after they just saw their friend get run over. <laughs> There'd be a lot of traumatized people. And then
0: we could talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> could we interview you The podcast prison? would be over at that uh, Good. Good point. Good point.
1: And I would not do an interview from jail. Why not? Because. Because it's recorded? Because Mr. Voiles would tell me
0: not yes, to. Yes, he would. <laughs> he would tell you not to. We could do one later where we'd have to make you think that you had the idea to what did, what do they do to uh, Ted Bundy? They're like, Well if you did do it, how would you do it? Yeah, but like we need your brilliant mind to describe <laughs> exactly how you would do it. Well, I am brilliant, so <laughs> you, you right. So it all started. <laughs> <laughs> so how's your butt? Um, it's fine and there's no bruise and I'm very confused. Hmm. You didn't tell people what happened? I fell down. Real hard, real hard? Yeah, I was doing something stupid. We got video of it. (sighs) I went to the Reds game in Cincinnati, and they were playing the Cubs. The Cubs lost? Yes. They didn't just lose. They got their asses handed to them. Hey,
1: they... They changed that back the other day, the following day.
0: Well, you know what? It just changes day by day. We were trying to explain baseball to her, though, while watching that. Uh, it takes... I don't know. Baseball Is complicated. It, it's more complicated, I feel like, to explain football. No. To get technical about football. But baseball, guess, it's like you yeah. can throw it three yeah, would, times. Yeah. It gets four chances. It has to throw a good ball four times. But if you swing three times then you're out. But if you don't, you can run to that first base. But if he throws the ball to the base before you, then you're out. And it's like, fuck, huh? You didn't explain <laughs> that good, then. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you try to hit the ball into the field and make it so the other players can't field it. That's a good way to say it. We're like, hit the ball that way. But someone hit a home run, so we're like, now he can't be tagged out because the ball is gone.
2: No.
0: no, it's just she's when you, you put too many numbers in there.
1: Yeah, football would be a lot easier.
0: I, you're right. Well, you I just, wouldn't be explaining positions. Yeah. It would just be like hit him, hit him, <laughs> throw <laughs> ball, hit him. Hit him. <laughs> yeah, well, you get four tries to get the ball over this line, and if mm-hmm. you don't get it over that line, then you have to kick it. That's yeah. way more. Yeah, that's yep. not complicated at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who did you come, come up to see with see that? the Colts? Right. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Daniel went to what is it? Went to training camp. Training camp. Where is training camp?
1: Westfield.
0: Westfield. Mm. Carla, her <laughs> fuck you? <laughs> <laughs> Up with the Herbie.
1: Thanks to Barbie, though, for for that experience. Yes. That was the hookup from Barb.
0: Shout out, she's friends with. She's the Colts friends players. with
1: our yeah. She's she's friends with a couple of them, but she's
0: <laughs> oh, so. okay.
1: Don't want to do any uh, name. Drop-y. I'm not going to no do name drop.ies No,
0: because no, like they listen to our podcast and stuff. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Yeah, I'll
1: just give you positions: <laughs> long snapper, cornerback, safety. Defensive
0: all, end. All of them listen to our podcast. And yes, all, They do. They're mm. all Patreon members, too. Okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But you went there and you bought a nice ball, but they couldn't sign it. Why? The, the marker you didn't need work. Like a,
1: you need like a paint marker. And so, I didn't think about that. It's just a
0: regular feeling football. You like, didn't have he, a sharpie? He did. Yeah. And so it wouldn't work. I gave uh. it.
1: I walk right up to Eric Ebron, which most people listening to this probably don't know who Eric Ebron is, but he's like six foot four six five. Just a huge dude. He's a tight he was one of the best tight ends in the He NFL has a tight school.
0: end. That's right.
1: <laughs> but I walk up, hey, we signed the ball. Yeah, no problem. And he's he's trying and he tries again, tries again, and he hands the ball back to me. He goes, Sorry man, you really need And I'm like, That's oh, okay.
0: God damn yeah. God <laughs> damn it. So, but everyone was very nice, and you got pictures taken. Yeah, that
1: was the very surprising part. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I got to walk right out onto the field like,
0: past even where people are like, Oh, no, people that have season passes can go exactly where you are. But you're like, No, 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 sir. I get to walk. Yeah, no, no, no. You got to go even closer because you're friends and family now. BFF for life. That's fine.
1: That was quite the experience.
0: Mm hmm. You're going to go back? Will you get a chance to go back? I don't know. Season's okay. going to start soon. Oh, man. oh, well,
1: no. I mean, not this year. It, I mean, it'd have to be next year. Okay. That's okay. So, thanks, Barb. I just invited myself for next year. <laughs> <Whoop-whoop>.
0: <laughs> I guess to finish my yeah, story. Yeah, to finish Carla's story. There was like a, a fake grass wall. That looked like That Wrigley. you could pose with. Like, that makes... it What? It looked like Wrigley, didn't it? Like, like, it's supposed to look like the back of a baseball field. Mm-hmm. Where the fence is. My friend was like, pretend to catch a fly ball. And me being like, I play choppa, I can't do better than that. (laughs) I like actually acted it out. And then I hit the wall very hard and I fell down on my butt. Yep. It was a fluid motion though too. It was like bunk, dunk. Yeah, it I couldn't get up, honestly. Yeah, there. but you didn't spill your beer too much. Here, I didn't, hold my no. beer. Well, I didn't ask anyone <laughs> to hold no, it. That was your problem. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, but you're okay now, right? There's no bruise. I'm shocked. Hmm. Do you want to look? No. <laughs>
1: we'll take a picture to show all of our fans. Okay.
0: <laughs> you had to draw a picture of your butthole, remember? <laughs>
1: I was going to say, people have already seen that before, you know, so.
0: That was Beautiful a artistic condition. I've been working with pastels here lately. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to work today. That's pretty much it. Yeah.
1: Pretty, pretty boring week so far. Got
0: to pay for preschool. That stings a little. Stings. You know what stings? Crippling student. That's what's stings And then she dumps some watermelon on the couch and goes, I got all wet. <laughs> <laughs> I wet. I I, wet. Like I was like, Why are you wet? At first I thought she dumped chocolate milk though on the couch. So I was like, watermelon water was a little more acceptable. bitter. Okay. Got two reviews a good one and a bad one. Which one do you want first? Uh I the, don't know.
1: The bad one.
0: The bad one?
1: Let's break us down and then we'll build us up.
0: Yeah. Okay. This is from Pluto Girl. But Pluto's not a planet anymore, so I don't think they told her.
1: Maybe she's a Pluto fan. Of, of the
0: dog. Of the dog. Well,
1: Either that or she thought if she said Uranus girl, people would get the wrong opinion. So she <laughs> went to her second favorite planet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Pluto girl thinks we need less banter. Or at least better str- S-T-R. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> it cuts it off. I don't know what structure? it says. Yes, better structure. Maybe I'm going to say that. Better structure. That. Yeah. You know, we'll try. No, no. She's not wrong here. She's not. The banter is distracting and detracts from the stories. Correct. A hundred percent. I'm a murderino and MFM also has banter. But the difference is it's at the start of the show and does not intrude on the story as much. Look, if Mm. it's funny. Uh, Yeah, but we're also not my favorite. If we are my favorite murder quality, where's my money? Bitch better have my money. (laughs) I'm seriously lacking in some cash monies (laughs) if we are as good as them. We're not as good as them. We're not meant to be. So it's like or just for fun. Just, and, and if conversation goes somewhere, like we're talking about the Water Boy, all because <laughs> Carla said Abdullah Ab Mangata because of Kanye West, because of a pre- the prenup song, like it went down hole fast, but it was fucking funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my issue with this podcast is the banter is more than half of the show and is all through it. Yes, correct. It makes it really difficult to follow the actual story being told at all. Well, you.
1: This (laughs) might be the most constructive criticism we've ever received. I'm
0: still not saying she's not wrong. I just like that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. I want this. I want to like this, but when I get to the end of an episode, I haven't been able to follow the story they (laughs) are supposed to be telling. I'm so sorry, Pluto girl. That makes
1: that. There's at least three. There's at least three of us now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think we should print this and put it up on the wall. Like, constructive criticism. Like, don't forget. That you're not as good as my favorite murder. And here's some helping <laughs> points. <laughs> it's not. It's not going to help. At least she wasn't like, I hate Thank these you. people. Yeah, we they can't, it's hard to make fun of. Like, uh, Henry. Henry was easier to make fun of. Yeah. Because, she just has some really I mean, good just, constructive criticism. Right. She is not wrong. But, let's see. This will be our 79th episode. <sighs> I don't foresee things changing <laughs> at all. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, maybe. I've decided we're going to do a new format here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We're
1: going to change the name of the show. To what? Give me a second. I didn't think
0: about <laughs> this right on the spot. Who's your less banter homicide? <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, if we cut out the entire beginning, that the shows would be 45 minutes long. Or You'd 40... be kind of bored. Yeah, So, and we would still diverge in the middle. And there would be no connection at the beginning. We we'll just talk. keep saying things like, but I digress. But I digress. In that same vein. That's another good one. I like that. <laughs> but Chevy three eighty three underscore stroker. Much cooler name. I know, that's that is the bomb. A Chevy totally Stroker? Tits. Yeah. I like that a lot.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I never knew you liked strokers that much.
0: <laughs> Love listening. Could have fooled me. Hey, I'm from Cole City, Indiana. I have no idea where the fuck that's from. Oh, <laughs> I no. do not know. Oh, no.
1: Carla, look it up.
0: Good God. I'm playing. <laughs> do I'm- it.
1: I don't give a shit what you doing, bitch. Cole
0: taking a City. BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> what quiz is it? It's how many colors do you know?
1: It's <laughs> guess what color my pubes are.
0: <laughs> Cerulean. Cerulean. She was mad at me. I didn't know the order of the rainbow color. I'm going Roy G. Biv. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, east southeast of Terre Haute. Okay, that's all I got. Okay, <laughs> um, y'all are hilarious. We'll be at the Brickyard four hundred.
1: All right. All right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I next <car. laughs>
1: Doubt I will go.
0: Doubt. I feel eh. like you end up going. Nash core.
1: I always say that, and then I end up going, but it's the same. It's opening weekend for the NFL. I ah,
0: okay. oh, yeah. didn't think that through. And
1: yeah. If it was like the third or fourth year, and the Colts weren't at home, and you and didn't guess just them get them to be meet on a this bunch
0: matter. of them, and they say that you have the same birthday as one of them, and like, you know. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me let Ding Dong out. Fuck. Uh, constructive criticism. I will be saying that review over and over in my sleep tonight. I only got fourteen colors right. <laughs> How many were there to pick from? Twenty. No, oh, that's not good. Oh, ready? Yeah.
1: Oh, we're. I'm ready. Okay, okay. I've been ready. This is from
0: True Crime Discussion blog, Chicago Tribune. Boris. <sighs> Wicked attraction. I watched that briefly. Motherfucker. <laughs> An investigation discovery too. I think there was something from there, and I'll probably have cold-hearted those are some sources in the early morning of march 1st 1974 oh the connection is admitting things to police the when connection did, is admitting do, yeah like you're like i can't police. talk on the like i wouldn't talk oh. on the phone because it would get me in trouble what? what when did we say that you did you remember you weren't there anyways it doesn't matter oh i remember okay <laughs> it fell on your head too <laughs> March 1st, 1974, 24-year-old Lindy Alton, which is a man. So I'm going to say Alton because Lindy just makes you think it's kind of feminine sounding. But it was in the 70s. It's a lovely name. 24-year-old Lindy Alton and 23-year-old Sherry Lee Gibson parked out on a rural Knox County, Indiana road. Oh, that's near Ben Sands. (laughs) Which is south. Oh, (laughs) which is south. Southwest. 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 A rural road, often described as a lover's lane of sorts near a cornfield. So they were parked off the main highway, not in the middle of nowhere, but off kind of a side road and parked near the corn because they weren't going to do it or make out or whatever, you know, what kids do. Oh, they're 24. They're adults. They can do whatever they want. Several hours later, after a decent snowfall, a farmer was in the area and saw what he first thought was an abandoned car. The farmer soon heard yelling and banging coming from the trunk of the car, and a hand sticking out of the tail. The that's light, just the a back. bad Mm-mm. gag. Yep, it's not good. To see that around Halloween. Yep, hand sticking out of the tail light. But now, what? How do they make cars now?
1: Oh, there's a there's a release in the back.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in the 70s, there was not.
1: I was going to say that's that's been a feature for many a years. Yeah,
0: the trunk was pried open, and Alton emerged. He immediately began yelling for Sherry. The police were called and an investigation was, investigators were suspicious of Alton's story because in part, the fact that he was stuttering. Oh, so they thought he was making it up or lying because he was stuttering. And it's really, he got hit upside the head when he was a kid. And so one of the side effects now is when he gets stressed out that he starts to stutter. It's like, I'm not fucking lying. I have a head injury, damn it. Uh, their suspicions ended when soon after, some seven miles away, an abandoned farmhouse had been set on fire, and inside the home, the body of Sherry Lee Gibson was found. At that point, Alton became their only witness to what the, they now knew was a gruesome murder. Alton was very clear in what happened that night. He told authorities that they were in a car, in their car making out, and a man approached their car asking for directions to nearby Vincennes. Soon after, the man returned to their car, this time with a woman in tow, they forced the couple out of the car at gunpoint. While the man pistol whipped Alton and forced him into the trunk of his own car, the woman was forcing Sherry into another vehicle. He was able to describe the per- the perpetrators to a police sketch artist. He even knew how the man parted his hair and the location of a mole on the woman's face. A mole? A mole? <laughs> Holy moly.
1: Chop it up and make guacamole. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and name her Emma Moly. does didn't work. <laughs> no. Emma Moly.
1: <laughs> what was it? Our daughter used to do to your mom. Your mom's got a mole.
0: Yeah. Our, Our mom th- has a we did it. Yeah, I'm all.
1: Our daughter did something.
0: The same idea. You Once. mole, I mole. I don't know. <laughs> My mom has a mole like up in there. I don't know how to describe that like right under her nose. Yeah. So we used to, we were a little bit like, I'm all. I'm all. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm all.
3: That's directions. Now, of course, the police are hearing a story that, to them, just they are having trouble buying this. Oh, right, yeah, okay.
4: And Lindy's speech impediment is not helping his case.
5: The other one was small, short. He's still confused somewhat the deputies said he was very ill. He didn't act exactly like everybody thought he ought to act. They would look at that and say, there's a possibility there. So you too often have a lower quarrel I mean, it took several days to get all the information for him to recall what occurred.
4: Heightening their suspicions, the evidence. Bad weather moved in overnight, leaving the ground soft and wet, which means there should be tracks from the alleged second vehicle.
6: There was no evidence of this carp. The weather really did play a crucial role in casting some shadow of a doubt onto Lindy.
0: When Sherry's body was found, it was discovered that she had been sexually assaulted, beaten, and stabbed several times. Although there were multiple stab wounds, the coroner determined that three particular wounds had pierced her heart and had ultimately caused her death.
6: They had a real situation on their hands. This was something that they had not seen in Vincennes. Police
3: have a very serious case here, and Lindy Galt is in the crosshairs from that time on. He's telling them a story that at this point was really difficult for them to believe. They're just not buying the whole thing.
4: Investigators ask Lindy to tell his story again, this time connected to a lie detector.
5: We've been dating. Long. Lindy was given a polygraph,
3: and it was inconclusive. Things are not going well for Lindy. He's the only suspect. He's it.
4: Could Sherry have been ready to leave him?
3: Lindy and Sherry never argued. There was no indication of any problems between the two. Seriously.
4: The autopsy results indicate the violence of the crime isn't a fit for Lindy either.
3: The cause of death, essentially three deep stab wounds into the heart.
5: She had been raped, and then she stabbed numerous places all over her body.
6: She went through such torment and abuse. Everything imaginable that you can think of that's horrendous. happened to her.
5: Sherry moved to Vincennes to be a data processor at the hospital. She was just a sweetheart of a girl. Everybody
3: liked Sherry Gibson. She went about her business and worked and had a life she wanted to build. Lindy Alden came from a large, well-known family in Knox County.
6: He came from a really good family. He was kind of quiet, kind of shy.
3: Lindy was a nice man to be around. He was very polite. So if you went out on a date with Lindy Alton, you were going to be going out with a gentleman.
4: Throughout the fall and winter of 74, they carry on a casual relationship.
3: They hadn't gelled in the sense that they were going steady.
6: She had dated other people as well, as many other young people do.
0: Yeah, so it was just like an abandoned farmhouse that was... Or I don't know if it was abandoned or just no one was home. And it got burnt down and her body was found inside. And no one knew anything about it. Even though he could describe the two perpetrators pretty well, no one knew anything. And I think part of it was they were saying, you know, 95% chance of being murdered by someone you know or is close to you. But random murder in a small town, you know, freaks everybody the fuck out. So they're like, it's got to be someone connected to someone that she, you know, someone's jealous of something. But in 1977, authorities went to a juvenile facility in southern Indiana and talked to 16-year-old John Jeffers, who was spending time at the facility after being charged with auto theft. It has later been said that for some detectives, no matter how inconsistent a confession may be, a confession is good enough. Yeah, Yeah. There had been little talk to the idea of false confessions as as being a possibility during police interrogations in the 70s. So the detectives wanted the confession to fit the crime. Then again, it seems that on some very key points, the investigators did not care if John was lying or not. John's initial confession in no way fit the evidence or the facts known. It took two more attempts to get that correct. Some believe he was fed the information by investigators and given articles from the media in an attempt to get his story straight. Just exactly what facts he gave or how or even why he committed the crime seems to be unclear. However, he did implicate another boy named Kenneth Shayner. It had been what reported- are these names? I don't know. The 70s names. James Jeffers and Ken Chaners. Mm-hmm. It has been reported that John met Kenneth at a county orphanage. At the time of his confession, Kenneth was in West Germany serving as a military police in the United States Army. So, he's not even home anymore. He's not here. But, they'll bring you back. Alton had always stated that the perpetrators were a man and a woman. In no way, shape, or form did he indicate either of the perpetrators were young boys. At the time of the murder, John Jeffers would have been 14, while Kenneth Shaner would have been 16. There was never any indication that either of these boys looked feminine, either. Like, you know, 70s long hair. So, uh. <laughs> I don't know.
1: 21st century, that's a little bit more difficult to determine now Yeah,
0: it is more and you don't don't assume stop it don't assume i'm not assuming i can hear you assuming it's all fluid my dudes i'm not assuming as is often the case both defendants pleaded not guilty at their preliminary hearings in march of 1978 john attempted to change his plea to not guilty by reason of insanity but after being evaluated by some psychiatrists they declared him sane within a few months john had made a deal with prosecutors He had agreed to plead guilty to first-degree murder as long as the other charges were dropped. So we're doing that thing where you are like, hey, I gotta plead guilty, but I want to get a deal out of it because it looks like I'm getting railroaded here. The agreement required that he testify against Kenneth at trial and allegedly guaranteed that John would receive the minimum sentence. The problem is that he was not advised as what the m- minimum sentence was for first degree murder. So oh he's like six years. He's like <laughs> he's an idiot. He's a 16-year-old kid by default. So you're dumb and you can't help it. He was like 25 days max. Yeah. <laughs> so he was sentenced in June of 1978 to 30 years. And some say he no one was more surprised than John. Because <laughs> he was like, yeah. I thought, you know, I don't know how many years he thought he was gonna get, but you're pleading guilty to first-degree murder. They're not giving you a slap on the wrist. No. Uh, prosecutors pushed on when it came to Kenneth Shayner. His trial began in October of 1978 and had been moved to nearby Gibson County. A special prosecutor was also put in charge of the case. On the fifth day of Kenneth's trial, John Jeffers testified. He apparently told three different stories on the stand, and at least one of them was that neither he nor Kenneth were involved in the murder at all. Alton also testified and declared without hesitation that Kenneth Chaynor was not the man that had forced him into his own trunk in 1975. She's like, guys, I told you it was a man and a woman, and it's not like kids, and you're not. And so now we're all the way at trial, and I'm not going to get up here and lie to make, it, to make the case go away. It was like, this isn't the dude. On the following day, prosecutors approached the judge and asked that all charges be dismissed with prejudice, meaning they could never be filed again. The judge granted the motion, and Kenneth went back to the military, but a cloud remained over him for decades to come, because everyone's like, oh yeah, that's that fucker that killed that girl, even though you didn't do it, but it's still really obvious that you got deported back to the U.S.
1: Who gets deported back to the U.S.? I don't
0: know. Nobody. Nobody. Uh, John Jeffers went back to prison. It is unclear as to why his case never seemed to be appealed through the courts, possibly because his plea deal included that he was not able to appeal his conviction, so even though... He's like, we did it together, me and this other dude, but they found the other dude not guilty, but he had already pled guilty. It means you're staying in prison. In 1983, John was able to hoard some medication and died of a drug overdose while still incarcerated. So it was only like a few years into his sentence and he was already giving up, like no chance of appealing anything. And he definitely didn't look like the perpetrators. He let like kind of bob length, curly red hair or wavy red hair. He didn't look like what he had told the sketch artist um, and there the case sat on one hand it had been officially closed with the p- plea deal from John Jeffers but on the other hand there seemed to be many who did not believe in his confession from a legal standpoint there was nothing left to do then in November 2001 a woman 46 year old Ella May Dix walked <laughs> into <laughs> sorry um- sorry <laughs> walked into a police station in Georgia and told a story that she had recently confessed to her brother after being hospitalized in a mental health facility. Now here she was, telling the authorities that she and her ex-husband, 60-year-old Wayne Gully, had committed several crimes together while they were married, but none more vicious than the murder of a young girl in a farmhouse near Vincennes, Indiana. And I wrote some physical notes, and I forgot them, and I gotta go get them. Ellie Mae... Which in Wicked Attractions they call her Wendy. I don't know why, but they do. She is 16 years old and has alcoholic parents, both of which so a shitty dad and a shitty mom. And but she's a babysitter for Wayne Gully. Like that's how they meet. She's 16, he's like 30 something, and he is married with a kid, a uh, boy or girl.
2: Dad would work during the week and I'm. On um, Fridays we always knew when he get his paycheck that he'd be going out drinking. He would just be evil, just mean and evil. Desperate to escape,
4: sixteen year old Wendy takes a waitressing job. Immediately she's smitten with the restaurant owner's son, twenty nine year old Wayne Gully.
2: He was smooth and he was quick. And he was intelligent. Well, he treated me nice. We had a New Year's Eve party at the restaurant. He picked me up and danced me around. Wayne is married to his second wife
4: and asks Wendy over to babysit the kids.
2: Yeah, and that's when we had our first encounter. I was the girl from the wrong side of the tracks Nobody wanted to date me or anything. And so I had somebody that paid attention to me, so I
0: went for it. It's like every porno, isn't it? Like the babysitter? (laughs) I don't know.
1: What kind of porno are you watching? None, that's why I'm
0: not sure. (laughs) So, yeah, he starts putting the moves on her. And he treats her like an adult and with respect of what she doesn't get at home. So every teenager would be like yes i have an older boyfriend you know but he's way too old and it's also rape yeah oh yeah she cannot consent none of this is statutory rape uh but he offers to marry her even when he's still married and she's like okay and he sounds good and then he takes her to her senior prom
2: (gasps) oh i don't
0: know if it was her senior or sophomore prom yeah yeah, a 30, 35-year-old man at prom. Senior
1: or sophomore? I
0: don't know. Because they, so, they were together when you're she skipping, was 16. You're skipping the
1: junior year.
0: Senior, it's junior. It's not
1: possible it's the junior year. It's either sophomore or Fuck senior Fuck you. Year. It's
0: one of them. I think you only have junior and senior prom. Oh, yeah. Did I say sophomore prom? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. He took her to prom. And that was awkward for everyone involved, especially me watching the remake of it. <laughs> You know their remakes on it, Wicked Attractions are kind of risque, like softcore porn. They are. I remember I would watch it while quilting. It would be on my old laptop while propped squilting. up. While quilting. While quilting. That explains it.
1: We <laughs> used we used to have sex a lot more often back then. then that's the, what it was. The like
0: old speakers set up so I could hear their crappy reenactments better while sewing. I was Wicked <laughs> Str- They were I don't know if it was on Netflix or what. just That's know. how
1: that's how 60-year-old women Get going, you know, like (laughs) sitting here quilting. Ooh, wicked attractions.
0: (laughs) Ooh, the
1: vibrations from the machine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Damn it.
3: (laughs) You talk about love gone wrong.
5: This was the beginning of it. He married her when she was a senior at high school. In fact, he took her to the prom he was 29 and she was 17. And he would like like it when I dressed it provocatively,
2: like short shorts, mini shorts, halter tops, things like that. And he would take pictures of me. I was still head over heels. I didn't think that there was anything wrong with him. When the restaurant closes, Wayne
4: falls back on his training as an industrial electrician. Soon the two are moving around the Midwest.
3: Once she's isolated, what does she have? All she has is Wayne. He's everything.
2: Her whole world. He started being violent. He would slap me. He grabbed a hold of me by my neck and pulled me up against the wall and... Just held me up against the wall and choking me.
4: In each new town, Wayne arranges for Wendy to work, but it's not waiting tables.
0: So then, what happens? You get married, and turns out life isn't all butterflies and roses. It's kind of actually shitty, and he can treat her any way she wants, any way he wants, because. She isn't going home to her shitty alcoholic parents and she doesn't have any friends because he isolates her. And so all she has in the world is this dude that's like 15 years plus older than her. So the scene in this show, it's not but abuse is not funny. But the thing is that he's critical and manipulative of her. So she's making mashed potatoes. And she has this big bowl of mashed potatoes and he like tries them and he's like, these mashed potatoes are lumpy. <laughs> <laughs> lumpy potatoes. I hate
1: lumpy mashed potatoes. I know.
0: So I was like, oh no, mashed potatoes are just fucking funny. I'm sorry. So then he like, you know, berates her for having lumpy potatoes and like smashes it all in her mouth. And these actors really go for it. They're not holding back.
2: Look, I've
1: been
0: the, doing the marriage and win mm-hmm. an Oscar for holding back. No, I think it even gets some got in the girl's ear and she's crying and then he punches her. Like the uh, the mashed potatoes are a key point in this. And did that actually happen? I don't know. I I mean, the abuse happened. Maybe the mashed potatoes did. I don't know. So then, what's what comes after lumpy potatoes? I don't know. God,
6: watery, creamy
0: corn. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) He wants to watch his wife have sex with other men. That's what comes after lumpy potatoes. Why? Why? I don't know. That's his kink. It's his voyeurism, and so she does not want to, but does because he wants her to but the other some people that's your thing that's your thing it's fine as long as everyone's consenting but then you know after that then he puts an ad in the swingers magazine using their prom photo and her brother sees it and is like oh i didn't say anything why is her brother watching <laughs> no, i don't know reading a swingers magazine i don't know if it was just in the back of like the local paper yeah but she did not
1: <laughs> i have a feeling it was more like outside of Outside of, like, a Denny's.
0: in yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we just grabbed So prom. Uh, swingers, which is, swinging is fine, as long as everyone is consenting. She did not want to, but he wanted her to, so she did.
2: He says, just have a guy come over and, and you have sex with him.
3: And so she goes slowly, step by step, into the abyss. Just a little bit of drugs. Just a little bit of
5: swinging There's one partner that enjoyed all this, and that was Wayne. She was just doing exactly what he told her to do.
6: He always used it under the guise of prove your love to me. So she felt like in order to keep him and in order to keep him happy, she had to do these things, and she had to keep pushing the envelope to please her man.
2: I was doing what I was supposed to do, but I still wasn't enough to please him. Being massage parlors wasn't enough to please him. Being all that and doing all that, still, he was still mad at me and still didn't like me. Didn't love me. He loved what he was making me to
0: be. And then after that, so he gets used to that, and that's kind of boring now. So, next, now I want my wife to be a stripper because. Now she's making money, and I am in charge of her as a stripper, watching her strip for other men, which is not my thing, but I have concerns for the situation. Yeah, it's just getting worse. It's the situation, it's just getting worse. And so then what happens after that? This could go anywhere <laughs> no they start
1: drinking the chicken or the egg they
0: start drinking and doing drugs, and that's like a common theme amongst all of this and that's how you're easier to manipulate. You have a young girl that's doing drugs and or is drunk. it's easier to get her to do what you want next, they're going to do a b and e a good old fashioned breaking and entering. <laughs> So, you know, we're kicked down the door and break in and they happen to break into a cop's house. <sighs> but that makes it even more exciting because now we're in a police officer's house and they find his uh, firearm and they steal it. That's not good. Yep, so now, and then they're robbing places. I think they rob, the night of the murder, they rob like a fruit stand together. Fucking fruits- <laughs> Who was a fucking fruit stand? It was a run by fruiting. <laughs> oh, sir. <Closer. laughs> They're like the least intimidating criminals of all time. No, So that's some backstory with how they met. And I didn't get that from the articles that I collected or the blogs I was reading. I didn't have the backstory of how those two met. I was like, where did you fuckers find each other at? Turns out he was committing statutory rape and collected the babysitter. Investigators from from Indiana went to Georgia to talk to Ellie Mae who was only 20 years old when the crime took place. And we're intrigued by her story. She was almost a dead ringer for the sketch that had been made in 1975 based on Alton's description. Ella was able to give the investigators a diagram showing complete details of what the inside of the farmhouse had looked like, even the correct position of Sherry Lee's body. So she's like, so she was there. And it's like, if I can draw all this and tell you how everything, you know, how many steps there are to the front door and where the side door is to a building that's no longer there. In her confession, Ella May told police how Wayne abused her and coerced her into increasingly high-risk thrill-seeking activities. And the couple, she said, escalated from BDSM, which I have a t-shirt that says that. No, um, you don't. Yes, I yes, do. Yes, you do. Yeah, that do. Uh, it says B- BDSM
1: F- F- for the kids. That's yeah. what it says.
0: BSDM is what it says. It's still real close. Bloomington South Dance Marathon. <laughs> it's pretty close. No,
1: it's BDSM.
0: Swingers, clubs, and ro- committing robberies together, all the way up to their encounter with Sherry Lee Gibson and Lindy Alton. Indiana State Police First Sergeant Larry Eck, the lead investigator on the reopened case, said LMA re- recounted events that had never been made public. She told police that Wayne took them to an abandoned farmhouse outside Monroe City, Indiana. She added that after he raped and stabbed Sherry, he ordered his wife to finish her. So, this is like the how do you make sure no one's going to tattletale on you for killing someone? You involve them explicitly, hundred percent involved in the crime. Elmae said she was the one who plunged the blade into Shelley's chest three times. So oh. he didn't actually kill her. It was his wife being manipulated into it. But she knew. I mean, she was on drugs and all fucked up and shit. But she knew what was going on. I think she said. She was traumatized by the sound of the air coming out of her chest when she stabbed her, like your body has air in it. And she stabbed one of her lungs, and it was like her last breath came out of her chest through the knife wounds. And she's like, I've been hearing that gasp over and over in my head for the past two decades or something. And it's like, yes, it's called guilt.
2: And he says, You have to help me. And he handed me the knife. Here.
5: Take it. Well, he said, you got to finish her off. And he told me where to stab her.
2: And I was afraid, because I've never seen him on this level
3: before. The ultimate Go. test, Wendy, of your love. Let me hand you the knife. And this will solidify us forever.
2: I stabbed her three times in the chest and the heart.
3: That was Wayne's way of cementing her loyalty to him because now she will always have to live with the knowledge he may be a kidnapper a rapist she's a murderer
6: it's hard to imagine it makes me a bit sick to my stomach that someone could be that weak that they allow another human being to control them to the point that they would commit a horrendous crime against another female against another human being I'll never forget her breathing when I stabbed
2: her those three times. She, just the way she was breathing, I'll never forget her. I was haunted by that, the sound of her gasping as I stabbed her. I can still remember it from this day. She was an innocent person and her life was worth more than my life.
0: Okay, they could not just arrest LMA, let alone Wayne Gully, who was 34 years old in 1975. They would have to do more investigating and at least talk to Wayne himself. Wayne was highly intelligent, charismatic military veteran, and an electronics technician. He was currently living in Illinois, and his first interview with investigators took place at his home, which was recorded. But I don't know if I can find the recording yet, or if it's on an episode of something or not. When investigators met with Wayne... They seemingly did not tell him the exact reason for their visit. although they said one of your ex-wives is, you know, in trouble, so we're talking to you. Now in his sixties, he had earned a master's degree and was working on his second master's degree. He had a job and never even racked up so much as a traffic violation. One detective later said that he was super cooperative and was a very nice guy. <laughs> hmm. 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 Investigators had to think that maybe, just maybe, as much as they wanted to believe LMA, she could be lying. But even though thoughts were pushed back a bit, the second he opened the door to investigators, just as LMA had looked like the sketch of the woman described by Alton, Wayne resembled the sketch of the man just as much. They began with basically recounting his life.
4: Wayne agrees to answer a few questions. The detectives get his entire story on audio tape.
5: Uh, we're at the uh, Wayne Dolly Residence. Have you been married uh, once, twice, or more than that? I've been married six times. Wow.
3: Yeah. Well,
5: <laughs> his d- demeanor was uh, very uh, hospitable, very friendly. Uh, we got along very well. Maybe
6: seventy-five. He goes
5: into
3: great detail about his life. Remembers where he lived. Cars they owned
0: and the like. By the time they found him in 2001, he was on his sixth marriage. I think he liked to marry women, use whatever money they had, and then get a divorce. The, aren't divorces expensive? Um, Pendelio. They then started in on some of... What?
1: Oh, I might, I might how much, know the answer how much to is,
3: this. How much does oh,
0: yeah. the divorce cost, <laughs> Daniel? Well,
1: that just depends.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mine was... $300.
0: Aw, see, that's not bad. And, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. But you didn't have a lot to, <laughs> to that's, separate. That's not bad, eh? Nope, hey. nope. nope. Not, like,
1: Yep, <laughs> I had nothing.
0: Had nothing like. to split or yep. separate or nope. anything, so that makes it easier. Nope. 300, I'm gonna write that down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might be a little more complicated now. <laughs> Okay, at the time they found him in 2001, he was on a sixth marriage, and they started in on some of the things that Ella May had told him, yet still, still steering clear of the murder itself. It appears that Wayne pretty much agreed or substantiated many of the things she had told them, including being involved in the robbery of a fruit stand less than a mile away from where Sherry was taken. <laughs> a fucking fruit stand. And it's in winter, too. So what I, like, you... I don't understand. So they didn't steal any fruit. I guess it was just the money. How much money can you take from a fruit stand? Honestly. Do people pay with cash? I guess. And then the investigators told him about LMA's confession about Sherry Lee Gibson's murder. It was then that Wayne did not deny being involved in the murder, although he did not admit being involved either. Suddenly, he was having memory issues. (laughs) A question if he could have been there, but just happened to block it out. Like, yes. No. That's not a, no.
1: Yes.
5: No. I uh, finally got down to, said, she said that she killed somebody, and you were with her. I don't know what period of time this is also. I mean, you haven't been privileged to give me that. And March, I understand March of that. Rule, but, March 75. But, okay. March 75. Well, I
3: can't learn. I she killed
5: anything. a girl, March 1st, 75. Okay. So it's like you're picking and choosing. No. What, what I, I'm, I'm saying, saying was. I said, Well. You took me through six wives, six divorces, every car you ever had, every place you ever worked. Uh, I guess you could forget it, but it seems like to me that that might be one of the more important things. Well, she says she did it. Uh, maybe I was her.
6: And he also said something that I thought was really telling in that interview was he's like, now let's say she is telling the truth. Could I have blacked it out and not remembered it? Who says that? I mean, who's going to black out and not remember torturing, raping, killing, setting a woman on fire?
0: He was then shown the sketches that had been made in 1975. In the interview, he said, they look like me. I'm not going to deny that. It certainly looks like her. So it's just, like, kind of incriminating, but not admitting it. Still, the investigators did not arrest Wayne Gully or LMA Dix. They continued their investigation and sent it to the grand jury. They were both indicted in August of 2002, and the arrests were made. For her part, LMA, it seems, had no issue in pleading guilty, because she felt guilty. She confessed because she'd been tormented for three decades and had extreme remorse. And at some point... Okay, at some point... Okay, he had, like, six wives, but at some point in there... LMA went back to him, like left her good, good husband and wanted to get back with him. like his sheer brain was just so mushed up by him that was she was certain. trying to get back with him. And when he didn't, it upset her. By the time Wayne Gully went on trial in August of 2003, Lindy Alton was no longer alive to testify. He had died in 1998 when he accidentally set himself on fire while burning corn stalks on his property. Oh, God. I think he had, what I heard her sister say is that he had an epileptic seizure at the exact same time he was burning shit. And so, like, you can't, so he fell into it. And I was like, that is the worst? No, so he had a seizure and he died, so he couldn't testify. He had eventually married and had a child, but most people who knew him say he was haunted by that night in 1975.
3: The government never came out and said Lindy Alton is innocent.
4: And because of that, Lindy cannot escape his neighbor's doubtful looks and gossip.
3: I think this haunted him for the rest of his life. It really did. That's the sense I had
0: about him. Considering it had been close to 30 years since the murder, and from a legal standpoint it had been solved with the confession of John Jeffers, there seemed to be very little against Wayne Gully aside from the confession of Ella Mae Dix. Chief Deputy Prosecutor Hal Johnston had an uphill battle. They had to prove to a jury that John Jeffers had lied back in 1977 and that the investigators and prosecutors at the time had let him. So he got to prove, I think... On the episode, he was saying, my first half of my trial testimony was proving John Jeffers was innocent and the second half was proving Gully was guilty. No one is sure why Jeffers confessed to a crime he didn't commit, but they offer several reasons. Indiana police investigator Larry X said Jeffers craved attention. Police believe Shaner may have made the mistake of going after Jeffers' girl. He was in love with the girl, wanted to marry her and have children and all that stuff, Shane said. John Jeffers hated me and the police knew it and they knew he had an axe to grind. So he was getting even with a dude that liked his girl was one theory as to why he rolled that kid under the bus with himself.
1: We literally rolled him under Under the the bus. bus.
0: Then they had to prove that LMA was telling the truth and that not only was she involved in the murder of Sherry Lee Gibson, but more importantly, so was Wayne Gully. The defense attorney's obviously. Obviously attacked Elmae's character as well as accusing the prosecutor of prosecuting an already solved case. The prosecutor uh, prosecuting
1: prosecute.
0: the prosecution. Damn it. Boom. They argued that there was n- nothing to indicate in their opinion, at least, that John Jeffers had given a false confession. They accused Elmae of suffering from mental illness. <gasps> God. Lord. Alcoholism and hallucinations. All of which she and the prosecution agreed to. Just like I agreed to that... Review today. They go, yes, that is me. Yes, yep, a hundred percent. Go on. They also argued that LMA had made her confession based on the media information on the case, and that she was resentful of Wayne because he was intelligent and apparently professionally successful. The fuck, cause she's a, it. It's like everyone is smarter than someone. Right. So it's like, why are you? She wouldn't be jealous. What if of, you were Albert Einstein? Well, well, she wouldn't be jealous of just one dude that's smarter than. I'm sure they should have said it was because he didn't want to get back together with her. They can. They were convinced that the information Ella gave initial investigators came from her memory and not the media. They pointed to the drawings she made of the farmhouse and the fact that a robbery had in fact taken place at a fucking fruit stand on the night of the murder. Just as she had said. They were quick to point out that while, while Sherry Lee had been stabbed several times, it was the three stab wounds to her heart that had killed her and Ella had not only known that but knew how many. Something else that had not been released. According to her, Wayne had done all the stab wounds except those three and had forced her to inflict those. Prosecutors also played the audio tapes made of the interview with Wayne. The Wayne way. After deliberating for 11 hours, the jury came back with a guilty verdict. In September of 2003, Ella May was first sentenced to serve 15 years for her plea. And then later in the month, Wayne Gulley was sentenced to 50 years at the age of 60. So that's nice. Other than photos from the crime scene and witness statements, there was no physical evidence to to present at trial. Evidence from the scene had been either lost or destroyed. So that all it was was her word against his, and the jury said, yes, that is correct. Based on what LMA knew, there seemed to be obviously no doubt that she was present that night at the murder, and by his own admission, Wayne Gulley was with her that night, too. He just did not know when he said it that he had painted himself into a corner. Like he said, oh, yeah, I was with her when we robbed that fruit stand. It's like, then like 10 minutes later, you guys murdered a girl. No, I wasn't with her that night. <laughs> no. It's like, no, oh, I that not na- r- no, no not I'm i allergic night. to all fruit now that you mentioned it. <laughs> I break out in hives. Uh, he is just another in the line of people that the state has falsely accused, said Gulley's attorney, adding that her client had no police record before or since 1975. Ella May, who during her time in prison was going by the name of Morgan, was released in February of 2011.
2: I did apologize to the Gibsons. I don't expect them to, but I just hope that they can forgive me.
6: You're torn in feeling some sympathy for this woman and feeling some outrage for her as well. She's not blameless here. She did participate, and she participated a lot. Remember who the true victim was? And that was Lindy Alton, who never got over this, died in a fire a short time later, and Sherry Lee Gibson.
0: According to the Indiana Department of Corrections, Wayne, who is already in his sixties by the time of his conviction, is not eligible for parole until at least the year twenty twenty-six. At that point, he will have served twenty-four years of his sentence, making him well into his eighties before his release. I think he's at Wabash, too. If he make a defer, yeah, yeah, I am pretty sure he was at Wabash Correctional, which is a max and not a fun place to be. Which is good. Well,
1: I don't think they designed it to be fun.
0: Mm-mm.
6: No, jury sure, believe.
4: Although Wayne does not testify, he does an interview his only one
6: with local reporter Stephanie Sylvie. He made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up it was all about how someone could believe her over him, and he just couldn't he couldn't get over that.
5: The only witness was uh, a long ago ex who was has a history of just I mean, alcoholism really was her work against mine, and uh, how they could have convicted me—I really don't. I mean, I'm, I'm
3: depressed about it. I don't. I don't like it. I don't think it's fair.
6: Well, Wayne Gully is a very smart, intelligent man, uh, and he knows it, and he uses it, and he controls people. He's a master manipulator, and he's a cold blood killer.
0: So yeah, that was just so bizarre when I kept finding out like how they met each other. The babysitter thing. Nope. We're gonna record a Patreon at some point. That one, what is that one about? The man that is married to a woman in prison and had his wedding her wedding dress like sitting on a mannequin in one of the rooms. Is there more to that story? Oh yeah, there's you a just lot tell more. Tell it just then. No, there's a lot more to it. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Um, so we can do that soon. Yes. Yes. And I'll be signing off in a couple of weeks and oh. you can hear from me. Yeah. When do you leave? I leave August thirtieth. Where are you going? I'm going to Ireland. Remember?
1: With who? My mom. Me mother. Oh.
0: So I have to babysit my dad.
1: I didn't realize that was happening. Yes. When is that happening?
0: August thirtieth through what? It uh, September eighth. I can't do <laughs> du- the accent. Irish, yeah. I had August thirtieth. I had thirtieth. Good. <laughs>
1: You're you're too far east with the accent. yeah. Way
0: de- too far de- east. De- <laughs> de- okay, that's what Dairy Girls on Netflix is funny. You have D E E R Y is in Ireland in the '90s, but you have to have closed caption on.
1: Just so you know, if you guys, if your guys plane crash <sighs> and you perish, we're still going to Disney World.
0: Yes, that's fine. We will scatter but your ashes. We're still going to pay
1: for your part. I'll we'll allow have the it. Extra free. We'll have the extra fast passes.
0: I'll scatter your ashes. What is that? A code? Something? You're not allowed to do that. They'll kick you out. But I'll do it anyway. They, for you. they, you can't do that now. Or you can use a person's fast passes. I don't think unless they scan into the park. So good luck getting my fingerprint, bro. Oh, <sighs> we can get it if we'll, investigators. We'll have it if, hopefully, they it? have
1: some of your body left.
0: Yeah, I'd be waterlogged. <laughs> Just a finger, please. Believe me,
1: we'd call them and we'd say, "Can we have their fast passes?" They mm-hmm. died. They'd probably say, "Yes, we'll help you."
0: We we'll have yeah. to prove it though. I don't foresee the plane going down. And if it does, your guys are going to feel real Real bad. bad. You in particular are going to feel real (laughs) bad. I'll
1: feel a lot better once we get to Disney
0: World. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Got to watch the other half of The Bachelor in Paradise. Paradise. That is garbage TV if I've ever seen it. And I love it. Highly recommend. No one can just pick one person and stay with them. That's what it is. Do they think they put something in the water that like makes you hornier? That's what I've wondered. They feed them oysters. Yeah, it's called alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, everyone's drunk the whole time. And I just think that's kind of like they're just like that all day. So it's but they're, more they But none like, of them are like fall down drunk. Yeah, but they're still probably drunk the whole time. And they're just kind of used to it now. I don't know. But I mean, they're still acting weird. They all are always drinking, and I was like, yeah. "But I'm like, maybe it doesn't have alcohol in it because some of them they're not no. slurring their speech or falling down. They are though. If you pay close attention. Oh yeah. Okay.
2: There
1: are a lot of them are slurring their speech.
0: Yeah, man. No. Yeah, that's why I have closed caption. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> and you need closed caption for that too. <laughs> it's just the fishbowl effect. They put a number. They put a few fish in the pond, and then they add prettier fish as the time goes on, and so the fish that paired up with it. Mediocre fish at the beginning. Going, I want me a pretty fish. I won't What's me the a fish with the shiny scale that she passes them out to everyone? Rainbow fish. Rainbow fish. It's exactly making them more obvious to predators. Anyways, <laughs> so it's a it's the fishbowl effect. They keep adding every now and then, adding a nice pretty fish, and then everyone wants to uncouple with their current fish. Fuckers. Fish fuckers. So there. Uh huh. Blake uh-huh. is not that attractive. I don't understand. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tell them where to find us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hoosier Homicide. Like us on Facebook. We're on all those podcast sites. uh, Mm -hmm. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean. I think that's it. Podcoin. Podcoin. As if you need another one. You don't. But I... You do. I mean, you do. But you don't. And for honest to goodness, stay Stay out out of the the corn. corn. Mic drop. No. Those are expensive. I pay for them. (laughs) (laughs) Painter, painter,
1: painter, <laughs> oh, Carla, would you like to try out the prototype version of the Mighty Mouse microphone? <laughs> oh. No. Just go ahead, put your lips up to it.
0: I lost my fuzz! Here. Oh, you lost your fuzz.
1: <laughs> You'll know the 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 microphone is on because lost Mouse my microphone will stick his condom. out at you.
0: I lost my microphone, condom. condom mic <laughs> yep, that's what that is. <laughs> 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 Boris. Boris Boris Boris. You done? (laughs) Boris!
1: There's no one out there.
0: Okay, good. Go lay down. Okay, now that Boris is quiet, give me that look.
1: I'm (laughs) a sheep hoarder. (laughs) I hoard sheep. Oh wait, she heard her. Never yeah. mind, I messed
0: up the line. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I would bet a million
1: dollars. There's at least one person. There's at least one person with boobs and a cock listening to this right yes, now.
0: Yes, which is fine. It's it's all. And it might fine. be my
1: brother. You never know. You Never
0: know.